So stack to pot ratio, or SPR as the kids are calling it nowadays, is a term that gets used a lot. But from my experience, almost everyone I talk PLO with thinks they know a lot more about it than they really do. And basically, SPR is an easy way to describe effective stacks relative to the pot size. And it's something you'll want to get familiar with as much as possible, because we'll constantly be referring to it throughout QuickPro, and it's critical to your development as a player. Now, SPR is a really useful tool in PLO, and really all big bet games, but less so in No Limit and more so in PLO because, well, you can only bet pot, right? It isn't like in No Limit where you can just overbet shove if you get the urge. But before we talk about why SPR is important and how we can use it, let's run through a few examples to bring you up to speed, just in case you're confused about how to calculate SPR. So in our first example here, the stacks are $100 and the pot size is $100, which means the SPR is 1. Pretty easy, right? $100 divided by $100 is 1. And the thing that you want to take away from this example is that one bet will get stacks in. Okay, so in example two, we have $400 effective stacks this time, and the pot size is $100, which means the SPR is four. Easy enough, right? $400 divided by $100 is four. Now, the important thing to take away from this is that a pot-sized bet and a pot-sized raise will be enough to get stacks in. But the other side of that is, let's say that you bet 100 into 100 and someone called you, right? Well, now you only have $300 in your stack and the pot size is now 300 on the turn. So if you bet pot one more time, it'll be enough to get stacks in. Now, in our last example, the effective stacks are $1,300 and the pot size is $100, which means that the SPR is 13. Now, this is an important one to bring up because a pot-sized bet, a pot-sized raise, and a pot-sized re-raise will be enough to get stacks in. But the other side of that is if you bet pot on the flop, bet pot on the turn, and then pot again on the river, well, that's going to be enough to get stacks in as well. And a quick fact here. If your head's up with an SPR of 13, a pot-sized bet on each street will get stacks in by the river. So remember that. Put that one in your back pocket. So you're probably thinking, well, calculating SPR seems easy enough, I guess. But what the hell do I do with it? And why do I care? How is it going to make me more money? Fair enough. Let me explain. Now, SPR is a really good indicator for what the action is going to be like post-flop, or more simply, how the money will go into the pot. Remember the three examples we just went through, and how the main thing I pointed out in each example was the number of pot-sized bets it would take to get stacks in? Well, the number of pot-sized bets helps us determine what the best line to take is, you know, depending on the board texture, opponent types, image, etc. But it also has a big impact on our hand selection pre-flop too. We're going to get into this a lot deeper in the next few slides, but for now, just keep this stuff in the back of your mind as we go, go through the rest of the lesson. And one thing that's cool about learning a new game is that you're forced to look at poker in a different way than you're used to, which forces you to develop new skills and improve on the ones you already have. For example, one thing I've picked up on from doing a bunch of coaching is that the two types of players who have the easiest time learning or transitioning to PLO are the mixed game players and heads up players. For the mixed game players, it's kind of obvious why they do well, right? They're used to switching games, and they've probably already dabbled in PLO or some variation of it at one time or another. I don't really have any hard data or research to back this up, 
But I think heads-up players transition well because the most successful heads-up players are used to constantly thinking outside the box, looking for any possible way to gain an edge on their opponents. And basically, they're just constantly having to adapt to their opponents and the dynamic of the match. And I think you'll find that once you start to develop your skills and understand how PLO works a bit, you'll find yourself feeling way more comfortable playing post-flop in other games too. Because since this is PLO and the most you can bet is the size of the pot, Keeping track of the SPR and how many pot-sized bets are left is key to your success. I have some hand histories after the lesson that get into a little more detail about this, but for example, if you pot the flop and get called, you can bet three times as much on the turn. And if you pot the turn and get called, you can bet nine times the original pot on the river. In later lessons, we'll talk more about what hands we want to build the pot with on earlier streets. But for now, I just want to point out that the reason I'm bringing this up is because a big mistake I see players coming from no limit making is not having a pot big enough on the river to get stacks in when they're shipping for value. Because, you know, in PLO, you don't have the luxury of being able to overbet ship the river like you can in no limit. So if you plan poorly, you can potentially lose a lot of value on your big hands. Or the other side of that is betting too big on earlier streets with bluffs, so that when they get to the river, they don't have enough in their stack to make their opponent fold a marginal hand. Alright, so here's a table I made for you. It's basically a variation of a table that you can find in Jeff Huang's book, Advanced Pot Limit Omaha, which is definitely a solid read, so you should probably check it out if you haven't already. Now, looking at the table, at the top, going from left to right, we have SPR, PSBs, which means pot-sized bets, uh, percent equity needed to break even, a description of the pot in terms of SPR, and preflop actions, you know, 4-bet, 3-bet pots, 3-way pots, single raised pots, and deep stacked pots. Now, it's important to take in as much of this table as you can, because we're going to be referring to this table a lot, but what I really want you to pay close attention to is the correlation between preflop actions, percent equity needed to break even, and SPR. And in the next couple of slides, I'm going to take you through what the important points to take away from the table are, so don't hurt yourself trying to copy this into your memory, okay? <laughs> Alright, so what kind of conclusions can we take away from the table we just looked at? Well, the first and most obvious observation should be that as the SPR gets higher, stack off ranges become pretty narrow, right? Now, this makes sense because, if you'll remember, you need more than 47% equity just to break even against players getting it in ranges when the SPR is 10 or higher. So what this translates into is more maneuverability and more poker being played. And since more poker is being played because there's less money in the pot and more in the stacks, that also means there's more leverage available for you to use on later streets. An opponent facing a bet on the turn needs to be concerned about the threat of future bets, but when the SPR is lower, like it is in 3-bet and 4-bet pots, the money almost always goes in on the flop in the turn, because there's only one or two pot size bets left. Now, when the SPR is lower, that's where all of the light stack offs that PLO is famous for happen. And, like I mentioned just a second ago, stacks generally go in on the flop or the turn, which means there's a lot less bluffing, because if you remember from the table, a lot less equity is needed to make it correct to get money in on the flop light. So, given our conclusions about SPR, what should our adjustments be in terms of hand selection? Well, 
Higher SPR situations tend to be single raised pots. And the way to win stacks in single raised pots is to overnut someone by going set over set, or nut flush to second nut flush, or having an even bigger draw that dominates their big draw. Recall for a second the equity table from a few slides ago, where if you get stacks in on the flop, you'll need more than 47% equity to break even when the SPR is higher than 10, which means that for the most part, the situation you want to avoid the most when the SPR is higher is when you're either flipping for stacks or way behind. And Lesson 3 goes pretty in-depth in terms of hand selection and opening ranges, but for now, the main thing I want you to remember is that hands that draw to the nuts, or hands that can over-nut your opponents, have a lot of value in deep stack situations. Because yeah, we need 47% equity to break even, but that doesn't mean we can't get our money in a lot better, right? I don't know about you, but I get pretty happy when the stacks go in and I have my opponents crushed. Now, this also means that when the SPR is higher, we need to tighten up our ranges out of position. Obviously, the number and type of hands changes depending on the opponent type and stack sizes, but generally, a good rule of thumb is that you always want more money in your stack when you're in position, and less money in the stack when you're out of position. A lot of the edge from being in position comes from being able to put your opponents in a lot of tough spots by applying three streets of pressure, which is what happens when the SPR is 10 or higher. Think back to earlier in the lesson when we said that the situation we want to avoid the most in PLO was check calling out of position with medium strength hands or draws. Well, an easy way to avoid getting yourself in those spots in the first place is by tightening up out of position. Three betting the right openers with strong hands works well too, but we'll talk more about that during the lesson on three betting. Now, things change quite a bit when the SPR is in the 1 to 5 range, which, if you remember from the previous table, tends to be 3-bet and 4-bet pots. In 3-bet pots, the action centers around combo draws, and the way to win stacks is by having pair plus draw hands that dominate other pair plus draw hands, because if we know we're going to be stacking off lighter and more often, the key is to choose hands that flop more equity more often, or in other words, have a smoother equity distribution. And if you can't remember the difference between polarized and smooth equity distribution, you should take a few minutes and go back and review core PLO concept number four. And believe me, we'll cover everything you need to know about exactly what hands are ideal to play for lower SPR situations in lessons four and five, which are the three betting and four betting sections. But for now, I want you to recognize these big concepts because we'll be referring to them a lot throughout the rest of Quick Pro. Hey, what's going on guys? Casino Crime here. Now if you like this video and you want more, then go ahead and click the subscribe button below right now. And if you want to join me for more of my 6 max success secrets and free video tutorials, just click the link to the right. See you inside the trainings. Good luck.